This week, let's talk about how to stand out as a podcast guest, and that means not doing what everybody else does. My guest is Kristen Molinar, and this is episode 282 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about marketing your business and growing your business and for talking about all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a consultant, speaker and trainer from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing simple. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, I'm going to be talking about how to stand out as a podcast guest. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I get pitches daily from podcast guest agencies, but the sad fact is that many of them are just not suitable for my show. Now, that's not to say they may not be great people, but they might have the wrong expertise or they may be in a different industry entirely. And to be perfectly honest, some of the pitches I get from these podcast guest agencies are just really dull, mediocre. They don't really showcase what I'm going to get if I invite the person they're pitching onto my show. So I wanted to get somebody on the show this week who knows what they're doing with podcast guests how to approach podcast hosts like myself, but also how to make sure that the podcast guest stands out both in the pitch and also once they appear on the show so that it's a win-win for the host and for the guest. So let's get straight into this interview with Christine Molinar right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Kristen, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, Kristen, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from? Now, I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland, as always. And I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm in America. I suspect it might be a little bit warmer where you are than it is where I am today. <laughs> yes, just above freezing today here in Edinburgh. Oh, it's almost never freezing in Scottsdale. It is, well, I use uh, degrees. Let's see, it's about 50 degrees here, so... Yeah, Fantastic. Fahrenheit. I'm yeah. jealous. I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> now, Kristen, you run an agency helping people to get onto podcasts. Um, and I have to say that at the moment, I'm not a massive fan of podcast guest agencies, but you did stand out to me when you approached me. And, and that's perhaps something we can have a chat about. And on top of that, we can have a chat about how people who do appear on podcasts as guests can maximize that experience and, and, and help their businesses grow. But before we get into that, Kristen, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Kristen Molinar tick. Yeah. Can I start by saying thank you for the testimonial? I feel I feel like I should take that and say, even Roger hates podcast guesting agencies, and here I am on his podcast. So thank you. I appreciate that compliment. That means a lot. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I started my entrepreneur journey in 2014 after being in a day job that I really loved the work that I did, but I really didn't like the woman that I was working with. Right. She was pretty awful to me. And so I felt like I could do it better on my own. Um, so I jumped out of you know the 
quote unquote corporate world. It wasn't really corporate for me, but small business. And I jumped out of being an employee into my um, own own thing, thought that because I was a fantastic employee, I would be a fantastic entrepreneur. I fell flat on my face (laughs) for 14 months. My husband and I lived with his parents. It was a long 14 months of, uh, you know, pride just being trampled upon all the things. And I tried to do all the things to get my business to work. And uh, after that 14 months, I decided I needed to just do something to bring in some finances, but I didn't want to sacrifice my freedom. So I became a virtual assistant. I started as a $15 an hour virtual assistant. um, And that was another blow to my pride, but I knew that I needed to make something online work. So I actually built up that agency to a six-figure virtual assistant agency um, and learned so much about entrepreneurship, not only through growing my agency, but being able to work with other entrepreneurs and watching what they were doing. And in 2018, uh, maybe twenty early 2019, I told my team that I had learned so much about entrepreneurship. I kind of just wanted to get out there and start talking about what I had observed. Um, I became really passionate about kind of uncomplicating entrepreneurship because I had found that the more complicated things got for our clients and for our business, the less successful it really was. So I told my team, Hey, I think the best starting place would be to go on podcasts. You know, I don't have to leave my house. I could do this from my office. And six months later, I still had not pitched myself for a single podcast because all of the mental junk started coming up. I realized that, you know, I had built my business with practically zero social media, a really crappy website. People were going to see my pitch and go, who the heck is this girl? You know, why does she, who does she think she is being on my podcast? So I didn't pitch myself to anybody until my team stepped in. Um, So my team said to me, Hey, you've been talking about this for a while. How about we just get you pitched? So my team started pitching for me. And what do you know? I was able to jump over the mindset hurdle. I ended up getting um, yeses from podcast hosts. And they said, yeah, sure. Come be on the podcast. Let's talk about what you know. And my confidence built up. And surprisingly, what we found is that it became our number one lead generation. It became the best marketing and PR tool that we had ever utilized. And I didn't go into it with that, with that intention. I just, I had more philanthropic, um, ideas around it. I just wanted to share what I know. So we, in finding out you know, how effective it was, we started looking at, can we replicate this for our clients? And so we started doing that and looking at you know, what it was that was making what I was doing so successful. And now this is the only thing we do. I don't run the virtual assistant agency. We just do podcast booking for our clients. And I practice what I preach as evidenced by me being a guest right now, but we love it. We live and breathe this space. I need to qualify just for those people who are listening what I said about podcast guest agencies, Kristen. Now, I did take the decision towards the back end of last year that uh, I have to say I was getting fed up because every day I was getting between 20 and 30 pitches from podcast guest agencies. Now, I'm not going to name any of them. That's not the way That's not the way I operate. Uh, but I was getting fed up, A, with the fact that pretty much every pitch was the same. So they'll send you an A4 piece of paper with a picture of the person, John Smith or Jane Smith. And Jane Smith or John Smith can talk about one, two, three, and here are their social media links. So pretty much all of the pitches look exactly the same. And I like people that stand out. I like to see what I'm going to get 
value from talking to this individual. And the pitch that you sent me, there was a few questions in here. I'm thinking, you know, actually Kristen's thinking differently to everybody else. So that was the first reason. The second reason is that it's obvious to me that a lot of the guest agencies don't do any research. So they'll send me a pitch for a person who's an expert in gardening or in cooking curries when I'm running a marketing podcast. Now, I'm sure that they are fabulous curry cookers and fabulous gardeners, but they're not guest material for a marketing podcast. Um, so that that wound me up as well, the fact that they don't seem to actually do that much research. And I also think that some of them are charging their clients ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and whilst I hope that they are finding successful placements for those guests, uh, I do look at those figures and think, mm, I wonder who's making the most money out of this deal. So that's why your pitch was a lot more refreshing than those that I've seen of late. So I hope if anybody from other podcast guest agencies is listening to this podcast, maybe I've just given you a little bit of food for thought. But Kristen, how do you th do things differently to what I've just described? The one thing stands out very, very clearly to me, and that is that it's not about how wonderful your guest is. Um, that that I have found is a traditional PR approach. You go in and you're trying to prove how wonderful you are or how wonderful your client is in hopes that if somebody would believe how wonderful you are, they'll certainly want to talk to, talk to you or feature you. That's not the way to go about this. The way to go about this is to figure out how you can serve the objectives of the person that you're hoping will feature you. Mm -hmm. So you know, Roger, what are you trying to, what kind of value are you trying to provide to your audience? Well, we know that you're trying to provide marketing advice to people. We know that you are talking about simplicity. Um, and so the talking points that I have, and I call them talking points, not necessarily questions, but mm -hmm. my talking points are aimed at how I can bring value to your audience, not how wonderful I am. Now, there is a place to like qualify yourself in there so that I'm not coming on and talking about talking about things or I'm proving to you that I'm not trying to talk about things that I don't know, but your accolades in your talking points and in your bio and in your pitch should only be validating the value that you bring to the table, mm -hmm. that your, your accolades are not the, the front leaders in this. Um, so the way that I say it is we want to serve up a really good episode to podcast hosts on a silver platter. It is the job of the guest to showcase how we can bring value to the table. Um, so that, that for me is absolutely number one. And I, I've heard so many people talk about, you know, I've been a podcast guest, but it's been ineffective or, you know, I pitched myself, but I'm not getting featured. It's probably because you're being you focused and not audience focused. You've got to align yourself with the objectives of the podcast host. Yeah. I mean, again, I can see exactly that in a lot of the pitches that I receive. And one of the reasons why I've decided to uh, ignore most of them is it's often this is why the guest is so good. And they probably are. I'm not disputing that, but it's about my podcast and my audience that is is the key thing. Another interesting thing that you say, Kristen, as well, is that, and, and, and I guess a lot of those arguments as to why entrepreneurs and small business owners should appear on podcasts is that it is a potentially good way of growing your social proof, of growing your business. But you're actually saying, do you know, Actually, it might be ineffective for many entrepreneurs, or at least the way that they're going about it is ineffective. And there are actually better ways to be a profitable podcast guest. Do you want to talk me through that a little bit? 
Yeah. So I have quite the list. I'll start with one that I feel is the most important to bring up here. Um, and that is how we are looking at podcast guesting. So I I talked a little bit about in my story, how, when I became a podcast guest, it was because I wanted to talk to entrepreneurs about how we could uncomplicate entrepreneurship. So I wasn't going into podcast guesting, thinking about, you know, the, the marketing numbers. I wasn't thinking about how big of a, a podcast can I get on so I could reach the maximum size audience. That was honestly, it wasn't even on my mind. I wasn't thinking about, you know, how big of a name could I get on? So I have this PR, you know, logo to put on my website as featured on, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about those things at the time. And since opening ourselves up as an agency, I've had a lot of people come to me with exactly those requests, you know, well, how big of a show can you get me on? And what names are the people that you're connected to? connected to. And I, I, um, I have to say that I've run the data to prove this point because I got sucked into thinking, well, are these potential clients, you know, are they onto something? Was I missing something when I saw success, you know, for myself? And this is what I have to say about it. Podcast guesting is networking on steroids and you've got to see it as a relationship building strategy for it to have a long lasting impact on your business. For the people that are seeing this as just a marketing or a PR hit, you're really hoping for a really great one hit wonder. And Mm. that's about it. You're hoping that you show up, that the audience is big enough that you're going to get enough people to convert into clients. And that's it. Then you just move on to the next podcast. The way that I see this is I have the opportunity to meet some other really awesome people on the other side of the mic that have business philosophical business alignment. And that has to do with our research strategies, finding that alignment. But, you know, I told you before we started recording Roger, that I just had listened to one of your episodes on making um, marketing and making business more simple. I know that you and I have that in common. So I'm looking for, how can I find people to connect with that? I have things in common with so that we can, you know, be on that same foundational page, but really, grow each other's business and be in each other's corner and be somebody that I want to be in contact with for the long term. What happens when you switch how you're thinking about podcast guesting is sure you get on a podcast and you've produced some really great, um, you know, visibility for yourself with the podcast host audience. You can repurpose content and share that you've been on a podcast to increase your credibility on your own platforms. All of those things you absolutely get. But what I'm looking for also is what additional opportunities are there after the podcast has stopped recording? You know, podcast, one of the things I like to bring up a lot is podcast guests or podcast listeners, sorry, podcast listeners, they are listening to free content. A lot of times the host has clients that have paid them to get value from them and they, excuse me, they host you know, masterminds and group coaching programs and online courses and all these things. Is there a way as the podcast guest to then find the next level to provide value to the host audience by, you know, being a guest expert in one of those for the paid clients? Is there an opportunity down the road to do some kind of collaboration? You know, do you and the host have people that you can introduce from each other's network? It goes so much beyond just record an episode, hope that it does all the heavy lifting. This for me is actually about bringing value and creating genuine relationships. There's lots of really good insights in there. And I think really what you're saying is a lot of the time, it's not about vanity metrics. You know, I think we're bombarded these days with the belief that, you know, I've got to have 
thousands, millions of subscribers on YouTube. I've got to have millions of followers on Twitter and, and the, all the equivalent social media networks. And therefore, if I'm going to put myself forward as a guest on a podcast, you know, I know I want to be on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Uh, you know, I want to be on Entrepreneurs on Fire um, because that's the only way that I'm going to get, you know, a, a, a good return on it. But it's what you're saying is absolutely right. You've got to be a lot more strategic about what you're doing. I mean, I, I can remember back in the day, um, because I do appear on people's podcasts as well as being a podcast host, and I, I was invited to go on to a fairly sizable at the time. It, it doesn't actually um, still operate. But it was a big podcast with a massive audience, and I'm thinking, yeah, here we go. There's bound to be loads of leads that come from this. And if I remember right, I don't think I got one lead from appearing on that particular show. Whereas I've been on shows where the audience is an absolute fraction of that bigger individual's um, podcast audience. And I've got more leads from that. So I do think you have to be strategic in where you go. Yeah, I've seen the exact same thing happen. Um, I was on two podcasts that were pretty sizable. One um, had millions of downloads. And I thought, oh my gosh, now I'm going to see what all these potential clients are talking about. This is why they're, you know, saying that they need to be on the bigger ones. Bigger is better. Right. And you know, what I found was I didn't get any leads from the podcast. One, uh, two, that podcast host was connected to a lot of people already. And there wasn't a ton of space in his market or in his network for me. Yeah. Um, I was just another person kind of ticking through the pipeline of podcast guests. So it it was hard to stand out. You know, I was on another podcast where the guy has like 50,000 people on his email list, really robust email list. Sa same kind of thing. You know, I think I got one, one client out of that and it's because he made a personal introduction. It's <laughs> not even because somebody listened to the podcast. It was a personal referral. And, you know, my most successful shows have actually been shows that I've recorded within the first 10 episodes of a podcast, like a brand new podcast. Mm -hmm. That for me is actually kind of a sweet spot. I like that. It's hard to convince other people to like it, but I like it because what you'll notice is the people that are at the start of their podcast, the hosts have so much passion and they're really trying to get the content out there. They are absolutely flattered when somebody pitches themselves as a guest. Like they're not like you, Roger, they're not getting, you know, loads of guest pitches in their inbox. So you yeah. can really stand out, you know, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. And they, they're thinking, gosh, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. So you really stand out. There's room in their network for you. Um, and essentially I'm not looking for big po podcast numbers. I'm looking for, you know, that alignment, like I said, with the podcast host, but, you know, also people that are interested in, in building up their network and are connectors like I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've gotten the most out of being on smaller shows, the personal introductions that come from those podcast hosts, you know, we have clients that are pre-sold and I would take a pre-sold client any day. <laughs> I, that, that's that's the goal here. <laughs> now, what I do like about your approach is that you are going against the norm to a certain extent. You know, you are standing out because you're disputing some of the things that other people take as read. I mean, you've built your business, uh, in your words, with a crappy website and zero social presence. So uh, that that just goes to show that you don't have to invest immediately in, 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 a, in a flashy website and, and have hundreds of followers across all the socials. So what did you do differently to build your business from that, that starting point? 
It's so interesting because what I've discovered with podcast guesting is, you know, relationships are the gold here, right? Mm -hmm. This actually, I didn't realize that this was kind of my method until I figured it out with podcast guesting, but that was my method before podcast guesting as well. I just went about it differently. (laughs) So I made a person, I've made personal decision not to be on social media because it just is not good for my mental space. Like I, it just, I just don't want to be there. It's too, too much for me. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is we've been building businesses since before social media. You know, so how did people build businesses before social media? And that's not to knock social media because I think that they can be fantastic ways to grow your business. But for me, it was like, okay, so I don't want to be on social media. Can I still have a successful business? And yeah, you can. I've I've always done this by networking. And I did a lot of um, going to conferences and meeting people. And one of the things that I think helped me be successful in just networking in general outside of podcast guesting is that I saw every new person that I met as an opportunity to add value to them, not to sell to the person in front of me, because what I quickly realized was that I would rather the person that I'm talking to not hire me, but refer me to people in their network than just hire me and move on. Mm. So I went to one event and this exact thing happened. And it's when it just really became clear to me, I um, was talking to somebody that I knew should hire us for our services, but I refrained from, you know, pitching her and I just offered advice. She was talking about how to hire somebody and what to look for and all these things. And I, I basically like told her all my secrets and thought in the back of my head, like, what am I doing? You know, I'm kind (laughs) of working myself out of a job here. Right. But what ended up happening is through all the value that I added to the relationship, she saw me as an expert in that area. And I became a reoccurring person in her um, like online course. I became a go-to referral source for her clients. And within the first year, she had referred something like five clients to me. And I thought, well, heck, I'd rather not make, you know, like $4,000. I'd rather from this one connection, I'd rather make $20,000. Like this is the secret right here, provide value and become a great referral source. to this, for this person, rather than feeling like you constantly have to sell the person in front of you. So yeah, it's always been relationships for me. And I've been able to show my worth to individual people that'll advocate for me and sell for me that I could, I ended up being able to build a business with no social media. And yeah, admittedly, my website's a lot better now. I wouldn't say I have a fantastic website, but it was a horrible website at the time. I mean, the logo was bad. Like everything about it was just, oh, it was just, cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it's an exercise that we all should try from time to time is how would I promote my business if there was no social media? Uh, because we've lived with it for so long now. And a lot of people have been very successful in building businesses off the back of social media. But what happens if it was all taken away from us or if we didn't have it in the first place? And, and to your point as well about it's all about relationships as opposed to selling. You know, again, um, I don't like it when somebody um, offers to connect on LinkedIn, for example, and they'll send a they'll send a connection request. I think, oh yeah, you look like you've got similar interests, and then within about zero point four five seconds of you accepting the 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 uh, connection request, they hit you with a sales email saying, "Buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff," and I'm there thinking you don't know me yet. We've not even had a conversation and you expect right. me to buy your stuff. Uh, and, and that is just not going to work. Let's have a 
let's have a two-way chat, let's get to know each other. And, and that goes for face-to-face networking as well. One of the other things that uh, that you mentioned when we were we were in the green room uh, before we hit record, Kristen, was this whole idea of do the people who know how to build successful businesses actually that knowledge that they have actually sabotages their success to a certain extent, certainly in this more digital world that we live in now? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I discovered this, I think I first discovered this with some really awful clients. And then I realized that it applied to me too. And then I started seeing it in other, you know, peers. So when it first was highlighted, this is what happened is, you know, running a virtual assistant agency, we were the doers, you know, Mm. we weren't the, we weren't in a strategy role necessarily. Um, We were the doers of tasks and we would have clients come in that um, would try to delegate to us and they, but they would be micromanaging everything along the way. And, and ultimately it didn't free the business owners of any of their bandwidth because they were busy micromanaging everything. And they ended up, you know, kind of sabotaging the delegation process. And so for me, what I've found also is that I, I stall things when I feel like I need to figure them out and I need to do them for myself. Really, really fantastic example of this is when I said I wanted to start being a podcast guest and talking about uncomplicating entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I told my team that I had this idea. I paid for some hours to be spent on researching potential shows that I could pitch. And I just sat on it. (laughs) I, I was keeping it in my court because I felt like I needed to figure out how to do it. And, uh, it ultimately went nowhere. I had to battle with, you know, the mindset issues that came up, um, which was the biggest hurdle for me. And when I passed it off to somebody else, it just ran, um, it just moved forward. And so what I have found is that if we're going to be entrepreneurs, we need to allow ourselves and give our, give ourselves permission to really be visionary leaders. You know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to come up with an idea and then tell someone else the idea and have them figure out how to execute. For me, the faster I've done that with my ideas, the faster my business grows. And I have found that I stay out of the way of my business um, building momentum. But when I get in the weeds and I feel like I need to figure it out or I need to you know, micromanage it, it's just disastrous for me. And I've seen it happen time and time again with other people as well. You know, we've got to be big picture thinkers, not doers and not getting in the weeds of things. It's it's self-sabotaging. Yeah. And I think, again, I've heard it described as Superman syndrome or superwoman syndrome or superperson mm. syndrome, I guess, is you just feel as you have to have your hands on everything. You have to have your fingers in all the pies. And as you say, you you, you spread yourself thinly. You're not an expert in that part of it or you're not an expert in that other part of it. So let go of it. Get somebody yeah. who is an expert to do it, and that that will um, that will see you right. And one of the other things that uh, we mentioned before before we hit recording was um, 
you've got this really simple sales funnel. Um, now, I have to say f- sales funnel, marketing funnel, again, isn't one of my favorite uh, phrases. In fact, in fact, the fact that I've already said I'm, I'm, I've got a downer on uh, uh, podcast guest agencies, uh, I've got a downer on complexity, and now I've got a downer on the word funnel. You must be thinking I'm a real grumpy person, but I, d- I, just, I just like to try and eliminate some of the, of the jargon and, and, and sales funnel and marketing funnel has always in my head uh, betrayed the fact that it's always about the customer, whereas a sales funnel makes it sound as if the customer is just a number. Uh, so that, that's why I uh, sort of rebel against the word funnel for a bit. But that aside, tell me about something that you've done, which is actually really simple and, and again, doesn't require any complexity or, or you know complicated technology. I'm actually just chuckling to myself because I, I love that. I love that I'm able to come in with these things and just kind of spin them in different ways. And, you know, I think that's part of coming up with really good talking points mm-hmm. in in like your pitch as a podcast guest is like, how can you say things in, in kind of polarizing ways? How can you, you know, really... Um, yeah, it's it's a way to stand out. So, you know, I'm I'm just laughing to myself. I love it. The the talking points are almost like clickbait in a way, which is another word that I'm sure you can agree that you don't like. I don't <laughs> like. I hate that one, but there's got to be this curiosity or like, oh, this person thinks differently. Um so no, I'm not offended. I think I think it's actually pretty awesome. So, I will say that um I like talking about the um overall like what a, I like talking about what a sales funnel is because mm-hmm. I, in my first years as an entrepreneur, I wish that I knew what constituted a sales funnel because mm-hmm. I was getting it all wrong. So the way that I see this is in a, in a client journey or a customer journey, we have to attract new people. We have to nurture people. We have to sell to them and we have to retain them. And what I find a lot of people are talking about online is they're talking about attracting new people. Mm. That's it. Just attract, 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 attract. And that's where the vanity metrics come in. It's like, you've got a ton of people that have been attracted to you, you know, a ton of Instagram followers, or even just people that are just sitting on your email list that you're not doing any nurturing with them. A lot of people, this top level that, yeah, they're aware of you, but you're not nurturing that relationship at all. So for me, it's like, oh, I wish that more people were talking about this, or I heard people talking about this when I was starting, because I was trying to figure out why I didn't have clients because, but I had all these people that knew me, why weren't they hiring me? You know, what was going on? Right. So I I do feel like a lot of people overcomplicate this. You know, there's all these ads for all these different funnels that you can create. (laughs) And like, they drive me crazy. Um, I have fallen victim to them. I have spent thousands of dollars trying to get ads going and this and that and the other thing. I'm not immune to it. Um, And I'm honestly like embarrassed by some of the attempts that I've had to build out some marketing strategies. They've just been so complicated. And I... I think that all those like failed attempts have led me back to seeing how relationship building and specifically the way that I do it is through being a podcast guest. This really is the simplest form of, of getting my name out there and growing my business. And I'll say that it's because specifically for being a podcast guest, you're obviously attracting an audience that you wouldn't normally attract. You know, you have an audience, Roger, that I wouldn't be able to tap into mm-hmm. except for through you. So obviously it's, you know, attracting a new audience. But the nature of a podcast guest is that you are 
as when you are attracting, you are at the same time nurturing and very, very heavily nurturing a new audience. So in what other environment do you get 20 to 60 minutes of a brand new audience's attention on you? And in what other environment do you have somebody else saying, Hey, Kristen, why don't you brag about yourself the whole time and tell everybody why you're really wonderful? (laughs) doesn't happen in other environments. And that's why I call it networking on steroids because you can network with people, um, which is great, but it's the steroid part is that you're getting asked to literally just lay it all out there. Show the world why they can know, like, and trust you show the world why you're an expert in this area. And guess what? It's socially acceptable to brag about yourself in or on this platform. So it's if for me, it's been this huge shortcut, you know, I attract new audience. I'm able to nurture them. And oftentimes, like I've talked about a little bit already, what ends up happening is the podcast host sees the value and they're doing, it's like, you're being pre-sold to the people, you know, you have people that come to you and they're like, Hey, I'm not interested in learning all about your process or having you validate for me what it is that you do. I've already listened to the podcast episode. I'm just contacting you because I want to figure out how to get started. Um, so I've seen it. It, Yeah. Unintentionally, it was like, wow, I feel like I'm shortcutting all this stuff. I don't have to do so much nurture um, after I've attracted somebody that's listened to me on a podcast. They're hearing a lot of me in that first introduction. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, what I would call cottage industries out there now. As a result of digital marketing, you know, there are people selling courses on how to build funnels. There are people selling courses on how to do emails. And there are people selling courses on just about everything. And and I actually genuinely think that whilst that's a good thing and we do want people to learn, it's it also makes these subjects feel quite frightening. You know, I've had conversations with somebody who says, I, I'm, I'm getting really confused because so-and-so said that I need this sales funnel. This person said that I need to build this marketing funnel. And this other person says I needed an email list with a with a lead magnet. And, and, and I'm just confused now and I don't understand it all. And actually, we've created a bit of a monster, to be perfectly honest. And that's why I love the simplicity angle, you know, because we've got to go back to basics and, and say, you know, who's the customer that you're serving and, and what is the product or service that you're offering? And it could be, I mean, if you're a cafe in the middle of a small village, you don't need a sales funnel. You don't need, <laughs> you know, it, it, but because we've now got so much of this stuff out there telling us what we should do without actually having asked us what our business is about, it can create this quite uh, um, overwhelming um, feeling in a, in a lot of people. Uh, so it's really good that I'm speaking to somebody like yourself who get, uh, who agrees with me that we need to keep things simple. So we've covered quite a lot of ground, Kristen. And I suppose the last question I would probably ask you is, out of the experience you've had to date about building the Yes Boss Virtual Agency, and, and in your experience before that, what's the one big thing that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experience you've had to date? I am all about connections. And so at the root of everything I talk about is me talking about connections. And so that's my piece of advice to people is if you're getting started, if you're trying to get to the next level, if you're feeling stuck in any way, if And any of those things, if there's anything in your business that you're going, ah, you know, I'm frustrated by X, Y, Z, 
I would say to look at connections as a solution first before trying to complicate it with all of these other things that you think that you may need. Um, you may just need to have more people in your circle. Yeah. Um, and it really is as simple as that. So yeah, just think about it. Think about it. I've got this problem. Okay. Would being more connected solve this problem? Um, yeah, start there. Start there because I bet in a lot of cases, the answer is going to be yes. <laughs> Great advice, Kristen. Thanks very much for that. So I'm hoping that the people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you. So where is the best place that people should connect with you? Yeah, so our website is yesbossva.com. And the only social media platform that I kind of sort of hang out on is LinkedIn. And because the spelling of my name is unique, if you type my name in the search bar, I come up, but I would love to hear from people on LinkedIn. I like having conversations there. Um, and, and I love hearing where you found me. So people that listen to the podcast, I love this specific podcast. I love it. If people just say, Hey, I listened to that. And I, you know, got this nugget or whatever. It's, it's flattering to me. So I appreciate when people reach out. I love that. You're kind of sort of on LinkedIn. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> love it. Love it. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been really interesting talking to you. I should have said at the start of the show, um, I've, I'm a big fan of Phoenix and Scottsdale. I've been there several times on holiday in the future. So if I ever do venture across the pond, po pandemic notwithstanding, hopefully if I come to Scottsdale again, we can meet up and we can have a coffee in person. That would be so wonderful. I love when that happens. That would, yeah, that, I think that's the big benefit of living where I do. It's such a vacation hub. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, um, let me wish you every success for the future. And uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you so much. I, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and colleagues and consider leaving me a review on iTunes. Until the next episode, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Oh.